Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. How's everybody doing this morning? How's everybody doing this morning? Good. You can talk back to me. It's okay. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not upset. In fact, I like it when you communicate a little bit. Um, So I appreciate you doing that this morning. Um, We're going to jump right into it this morning. And um, and I believe that God's given me a message for all of us this morning. I think it's timely. I think it's relevant. I think it's um, where our world's at today. So I'm really excited to share it with you this morning. This morning I wanted to share with you, first off, just a story about something that happened in 480 B.C. It's called the Battle of Thermopylae. And uh, if you're either one, a history buff, or maybe a, a movie buff, you might have heard the story before because there was a movie done in the 60s about it, and there was a movie done in the late 90s called 300 about the story. But there was a, a invading army. They were Persians, and they came, um, they, they came to Greece, and they wanted to invade Greece. And they numbered in, the historians think, 150,000 to maybe 200,000 soldiers strong, and they wanted to, to take Greek, but there was a, an alliance of Greeks that got together from different Greek city-states, and uh, one of those city-states was Sparta, and the Spartan king, King Leonidas, led this band of men numbering about 7,000 against this Persian army, of the hun- which is numbered in the hundreds of thousands. And the Spartans, the Greeks, were very strategic about the place where they were able to pick their battle because they picked, they picked a place to battle which uh, was a, a narrow passageway that was encased with two big cliffs. And what this did for the Greeks was it gave them a, a little bit of a level playing field because the Persians, because this place was so narrow, uh, they weren't able to use their vast numbers against the Greeks. And so the Greeks very triumphantly held them off for seven days and probably could have continued to hold them off for much longer than that, if not for a betrayal. There was a Greek by the name of, let's see if I get this right, Ephialtes of Trachis. Yes. I spent a lot of time on YouTube trying to figure out how to pronounce that, so just appreciate you uh, appreciating that. Under the assumption that he would receive rewards from the Persians, this man showed the commander of the Persian army a secret passageway that led around the cliffs. The Persians sent the men on this path, some of their warriors, and they flanked the Greeks and, of course, attacking them from the front, behind, and with the amount of numbers that they had, they they beat them and defeated them easily. The Battle of Thermopylae, and the reason I tell you that story this morning, because I think it's a picture of us as believers today, because our soul, and maybe you don't know this, but I, I imagine if you've been a believer for even 10 seconds, you realize that our soul is under attack from every direction all of the time. See, the moment you say yes to Jesus you make an enemy. And actually, even before you say yes to Jesus, you already have an enemy. You just probably don't know it. But when you say yes to Jesus, you put a target on your back because you have an enemy that we call the devil. And he has got a bunch of minions called demons. And there is a whole supernatural world. And I'm not going to get into that much this morning. But just know that there is an enemy that is out to get you. And not only is the enemy of our soul out to get us, but sometimes we're our own worst enemies too. Amen? We have this thing called the flesh. And the flesh sometimes rises up against what God wants in our life. And so this morning, as a Christian, you probably understand that your soul is under attack from different directions. And one of the enemy's favorite tactics is to feed lies and half-truths to get our minds in a place where it betrays us. How many of you know your mind can betray you? Have you ever had something that maybe a little bit of an anxious thought or maybe a situation that you're facing that's really stressful or crazy? 
and you give yourself a little bit of time, or maybe you have a little bit of time to think about it, especially away from people, how many of you know your mind can take you down some really, really dark places? Your mind takes you to a rabbit hole, doesn't it? Your mind is a place where the enemy likes to mess with you, and it's one of the primary places that he can find an inroad into your soul. Our minds are a little bit of a loose cannon. That's why in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says that we need to not conform to the world system, but we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, right? So our minds need to be renewed. Like our minds on default mode, not, it's, our minds on default, well, let me, let me just put it this way. I'm going to give you a little bit of a lesson on who we are this morning. We are a three, we are a triune being. We are body, soul, and spirit. When we say yes to Jesus, the spirit man part of us, the spirit part of us comes alive. We are justified at the moment of salvation through Jesus Christ so that we're just as if we'd never sinned in God's sight. That part of us gets justified. We're fine with God. That's, that's our soul. It gets redeemed at the time of salvation. Our bodies, however, they do not get redeemed on this earth, okay? They never get redeemed until Jesus comes back and the resurrection happens and then we get new bodies and we're transformed, we're made new and the twinkling of an eye, that's the redemption of our body. And our soul is comprised of our mind, will, and emotions. And our soul is in this place of being continually renewed, being continually, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sanctified, okay? There's this, this phrase called sanctification. And our soul is in this process of being redeemed through our entire life. And we never really get to a place where we're like, okay, I've arrived. I'm good, okay? We don't really get to that place. It's a constant process of, of God revealing something to us that we need to change or we need to work on and then working on that by the grace of God and overcoming that and going to the next thing and it's the next thing. It's when Paul talks about being changed from glory to glory to glory. It's that process of sanctification. So our mind is in that place. And Romans 12, 2 says we need to be renewed, or, or rather transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so if we let our mind in the, go into default mode according to Romans 12, 2, then we won't be able to know God or his ways. Because Romans 12, 2 goes on to say, thank you, Romans 12, 2 goes on to say that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can test and approve what God's will is. So in other words, if you don't have your mind renewed, if you put your mind in default mode, you're not going to know God or his ways. You're not going to understand his will. You're not going to know how to communicate with him. But if we are proactive, we get the opposite. Colossians 3, 2 tells us to be mentally proactive and set our mind on things above. So why would Paul say set your mind on things above if our minds weren't not already set on things above? So obviously our minds, the majority of the time, are not set on things above, are they? And we can attest to this. Our minds are set on the things that we deal with day in and day out, week in and week out. And Paul's saying, you need to set your mind, like take it and set it, like focus your mind on heavenly things. And so he's saying, you gotta train your mind. 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We have to mentally, or we, have to, we have to proactively do this. It's not something that just happens. It's not something that when you say, Jesus, come into my life and, and, and be my everything and be my savior, your mind doesn't just automatically transform. Your spirit does. Your, your spirit does that, but your mind doesn't. Your mind takes some time and some training. So we need to train our mind. Like so many other parts of the Christian life, we need to be intentional and not just let ourselves, like Pastor Barry says time and time again, and I love when he says this, you can't just let yourself pinball through life. You can't let your mind just, you get, how, many, how many of us are old enough to remember playing pinball, right? You have the machine and 
have the flappers and you hit the ball and for me it usually goes in the side and then I'm done. But if you're really good, it just kind of goes wherever it wants to, right? You can't set your mind, church, on default. Your mind needs to be trained. You have to be active in training your mind. Your spirit's taken care of at the time of salvation, but your mind, your mind can betray you. It needs to be trained. And I understand this morning that we are living in a very difficult time in history. And it is easy for our minds to take us down the rabbit hole. It is easy for our minds in this time to take us to some very dark places very fast. I get that. I realize that we're living in that time. We're living in, a, in the middle of a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. We're living through a financial crisis. There's civil unrest and revolution happening in America that probably hasn't happened since the Vietnam War. It's a stressful time. So is it easy to be stressed? Absolutely. Do I get that people are stressed out and anxious and have worry and fear right now? Yeah, absolutely. I get that. I understand that. But at the same time, I understand that there's an answer for that. And I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be real with you this morning, okay? I'm going to be transparent with you. There are times, through this, especially through this pandemic, that I've been caught in a moment of panic and a moment of fear. There's times when I hear the numbers that get reported or, or something that impacts me even more, and I still I have a couple of friends right now that are in the hospital fighting for their lives. When I hear those things, I'll be honest with you, there are moments when panic sets in and fear grips me. It's a horrible feeling. I get bombarded with those thoughts. Those times tempt me to go into panic mode, but those moments that I just talked about are just that. They're moments. I don't live in fear. Those moments that I talked about are just that. They're, they're seconds, literally seconds, that fear grips me. Because what happens is I start cycling through my mental process and I start filtering my experience and that thought that comes into my mind that wants to grip me with fear and does grip me with fear. I start filtering that through the word of God. And I start, and at times I go into God's presence if I'm, if I'm able to at the time, go into God's presence and, and peace always replaces the worry and the fear. So don't think I'm living in fear this morning. I'm not, but I'm gonna tell you and be honest that I get gripped at times with fear. Maybe some of you have experienced that. Hopefully that's not your, the mode that you're operating in, but in this time, it is very easy to slip into that, and the reason is because our minds are not trained and our minds try to betray us. And so this morning, I think that uh, God has given us a great pattern in, in Philippians chapter 4 of how to train our minds, because of, again, if we let our mind, our mind will be like um, the Greek who betrayed his countrymen, and, and it'll let things into our soul that we don't want in our soul. So I think God laid out a great pattern in Philippians 4 of how to train our minds to be in a place where we're not going to get gripped by fear, by anxiety, by worry, by depression, because this is a very hard time, and I understand that, and people are prone to anxiety and fear and worry and depression, but there is another way to live, church. There is a way to live above all that stuff. Does, is anybody with me this morning? Is there a way to live? There is, and I want to show you a pattern for that found in Philippians chapter 4. Great passage in Philippians 4. In fact, that whole chapter is worth reading. Uh, this, this verse, this passage I'm going to give you this morning, maybe some of you memorized it. If you haven't memorized it, this is a great passage to memorize. Let's, let's read it this morning. I'm going to read it for you. It says this, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, 
with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, this is the part where Pastor Barry would probably go back and re-sing the peace of God, and it would sound really good, but I can't do that because I don't have a good enough voice. But just know that that's the place where Pastor Barry would sing during the sermon. I'm going to camp out this morning mainly in this passage on verse 6 especially, but a little bit on verse 7. But before we do that, kind of the first maybe pattern that God lays out for us in Philippians chapter 4 um, is in the first verses and is in verse 4 where it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say rejoice. First pattern, first thing you can do to train your mind to guard against the things that would attack you mentally is to rejoice. That's number one, rejoice. I don't have any fancy points for you this morning. They're just kind of taken right out, of the, right out of the verse. Rejoice. When you're talking about how good God is, when you're celebrating God out of your lips and talking about everything that he's done for you, how many of you know it's really hard to be talking about negative things when positive things are coming out of your mouth? When you're talking about the goodness of God, you're talking about the great things that he's done, and you're talking about how good he's been to your family, it's really hard for, hard for bad stuff to come out of your mouth, for negative things to come out of your mouth. In fact, the book of James says, salt water and fresh water cannot come from the same place. It says the mouth cannot, cannot bless and curse at the same time. It should not be so, okay? It's a, it's a principle. Rejoice. You have a lot to rejoice about, church. You're hooked to a pretty amazing God. We're going to talk more about that today, but you have good things going for you. There is always a reason to rejoice. If you woke up with breath in your lungs today, there's a reason to rejoice. If you woke up with no breath in your lungs, there's a huge reason to rejoice because you're going to see Jesus. Amen? There's a reason to rejoice. So the first thing to do is rejoice. It puts your mind in that place where you're guarded because when you've got good things coming out and we know that those good things that come out of your mouth are an overflow of what's in your heart. So if you've got those things coming out of your mouth, you've already put your mind in a place where it's gonna be protected if you rejoice. Number two, don't be anxious. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 6a says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Well, Pastor Jared, what if, uh, what if I get a diagnosis? Don't be anxious about anything. Pastor Jared, what if I'm in a massive amount of debt and I got laid off? Don't be anxious about anything. Church, it's almost a command. No circumstance, no financial trouble, no diagnosis. There's no reason that God's people should be anxious. He pens this. Paul pens this. This is the word of God. Don't be anxious. Be different. Don't be anxious about anything. You might say, well, easy for you to say, but why? Why should I not be anxious? Well, here's something kind of cool that I found when I was studying this verse. Um, something kind of neat, I think, that God showed me. How many of you know that the Word of God is inspired? And when I say inspired, God didn't sit down and write the Bible, okay? He inspired people to write the Bible, and we know that uh, the Bible itself attests to this. Jesus quoted scripture that men wrote, and, and he treated it as authoritarian. And so we know that the Bible is, you know, infallible, and it's uh, inerrant, and it's all those great things that we love about the Word of God, and it's inspired. But the chapters and the verse numbers are not so inspired, Okay, those are just systems that were put in so that they could, people could organize the Bible so we know where to find things. They were just things that were added later. They're not inspired, right? Um, so here's something cool that I found. So if you go back to verse 5, it says this. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Right? Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I always thought that was kind of an odd verse. You know, let your gentleness be evident to all. Okay, that's a good thought. And then, the Lord is near. Like, 
how does that fit with that? I don't, I don't necessarily get it, but sometimes sentence structures from Greek to, to English are different, so I just, I've always kind of passed that off. But I saw something as I was studying this that I think that God brought to my attention. If you back up verse 6, because verse 6 ends that the Lord is near. That's the end of verse 5. Verse 6 starts at do not be anxious about anything. Back up verse 6, okay? Take that mentally, take that number 6 out of your mind, and back it up to the beginning of the sentence, the Lord is near, and let's read it. The Lord is near, don't be anxious about anything. It brought a whole new light to me. Don't be anxious about anything. The Lord is near. How many of you know that Jesus promised us that he would never leave us or forsake us? He is with us all the time. So when you're going into a situation that's stressful, uh, let's say you're going into the doctor for that diagnosis, guess who's walking right there with you if you've invited him to come with? You've got the spirit of the living God inside of you. Jesus is right there with you. You're going to that meeting that's going to be a hard meeting that you've got to confront somebody. Guess who's driving right with you in the car, sitting right next to you in the car? Jesus is with you. Guess who you're taking into that meeting? Jesus is with you. Isn't that awesome? Don't be anxious about anything. Why? Because the Lord is near. God's with us. Everywhere we go, God is with us. I think we forget that because we get our eyes unfocused on him and we don't think about it, but the Lord's with us. This uh, last week, we were having dinner outside on our back porch and uh, it was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful weather we're having, isn't it? I mean, for like the end of July to have 70 degree weather, come on somebody. But we were having uh, dinner out back on our porch and uh, after dinner, we just, we just kind of find ourselves hanging out because the weather was so nice. And my daughter, um, Ellie, said, hey, Dad, uh, you want to come inside? And I was like, no, not really. I just kind of want to hang out here. It's really nice. And she kind of kept persisting and persisting and persisting. I'm like, well, she must really want to hang out with me, so I better go. So, uh, so I was like, yeah, sure. So we went inside, and all of a sudden, she's like, boom, she's up to her bedroom. And I was like, and so I said, what? and I went up, I said, Ellie, why, why do you want me to, to be in here? She's like, oh, I just wanted to play with my dolls. <laughs> why did she want me in the house? Because her bedroom is a floor up, and there's security when dad's around, right? There's security when dad's around. It's like when you were younger, and there's a lightning storm, and you went and hung out in your parents' bed, right? There's security when the father's around. God is with you all of the time. If you'll just invite him to come with you, he is with you. Even when you don't invite him, he's still there. He promises never to leave you or forsake you. So the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. Why else? Why else should we not be anxious about anything? Not only is he there, but we got to remember who he is. Recount the miracles and the power of God. What do you have this morning, church, that he can't take care of? What? What do you have? that he can't take care of. Do you have a diagnosis? Man alive, I've been reading the Gospels, and, and I'm just, I'll tell you what, I get so built up in my faith because Jesus, like, everywhere he was going, he was healing people. My God heals people. You got a diagnosis? My God is a healer. I've seen him do it time and time again, not just in the Word of God, but I've seen him do it uh, in my lifetime, many times, heal people. What do you got that he can't take care of? Financial, you know, you know what happens? Here's what happens. We take God and we, we forget how big he is and how great he is and we, we, we put him down to this place where he just becomes nothing but, you know, just a, a good saying or, or good thoughts to live by or a good philosophy. And it reminds me of, if you've ever seen the movie The Avengers, the first Avengers where uh, there's this character by the name of Loki 
and he calls himself a god, and he's giving the Hulk, you know, the big green Hulk, he's giving him this spiel about how he's a god, and the Hulk should respect him, and about that time, Hulk grabs him by the, by the feet and goes, bam, 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 you know, just beats the tar out of him. And then as, as Hulk is walking away, he looks back and he goes, puny god, you know, and he walks out. That's what we do, we reduce God down to where he's powerless. Don't do that, church, your God is powerful. He has supernatural healing, miracle working power that he wants to give to his children. Don't reduce him down. You got financial troubles? Listen, there's about $80 trillion. I looked it up. There's about $80 trillion estimated both in coin and cash currency and in digital currency in this world. $80 trillion, okay? A lot of that's probably the American debt. I didn't look that much of it up, but I know there's $80 trillion. That's a lot of money. But I started researching the stars. You know what I found out? There is a hundred billion estimated stars in the Milky Way galaxy. And there's like an estimated, I think they said a hundred billion galaxies. So you do the math, guess how many stars there are estimated? And there's probably, it's probably a gross underestimation is what I read as I was researching it. It means there's a septillion amount of stars. That's a trillion trillion. You got financial problems? God has more stars by one to the 12th power than this world has money. You're hitched to a great source, guys. I'm just trying to tell you he's big. That's what I'm trying to show you. If you're going through a rough patch, his grace, his strength, his burden is easy. If you're facing down death, you have a beautiful home that's been prepared for you away from gossip, natural disasters, disease, a place of beauty beyond description. You'll have a brand new body, one that's impervious to decay, sickness, and weakness. Who knows? I might have hair in that day, you know? But if you're facing down death and that's the worst thing you can think of, that's a great thing because, man, guys, we have an amazing, amazing reward that's waiting for us on the other side of eternity. Simply put, you're in the safest place you can be when you're running after God with your whole heart because you serve a really big God. So don't be anxious about anything. Secondly, or thirdly, I guess, make God your first stop. The next part of the verse says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, that's Philippians 4, 6b, in every situation, so it says, do not be anxious, but in every situation, so it says, don't be anxious, and then the big contraction, but instead, make God your first call, or by prayer and petition, basically what prayer, we know what prayer is, is talking to God, petition is asking God for what you want, well, asking God for your needs, which a bonus, by the way, science tells us that if we talk about the things that are on our hearts and are on our minds that are weighing us down, it's beneficial and it's healthy for us. So right here, God's saying, petition me with your, with your worries and your anxiety and your fears. Petition me, tell me about it, let me know about it. Right there, God knew, God created our body, he knows. But it also says, um, by prayer. So God, in essence here, is saying, make me your first call. What circumstances are we supposed to go to God in everything? As you're scrolling through your mental contacts when you're going through a situation or when you're starting to get that place where you're, you feel anxiety start to cripple you or fears start to cripple you or depression start to cripple you, let God be your first call. When you're scrolling through those contacts, make sure he's number one up on the very top. You know, back in, the, back in the day, that MySpace, we used to have our top five, our top five friends. Make God your number one. Okay, MySpace reference, you don't get that every day. All right? When you're scrolling through that, let God be your first call. You should have him on the top of your list. And don't get me wrong this morning, church, I think that is great. 
because I think it's great, but I think sometimes we, we, we love the body of Christ, we love our brothers and sisters, but, and God put them in your life for a reason, and I'm not saying you should never go to them, but sometimes I think we try to go to people so much sooner than we go to God. We think, oh, man, I, I could just call Julie about this. She'll know what to do. Or I, I have Dave. He's always got good advice. Or I need to talk with my husband or wife. They know best. You know, we go to these people first. And I'm sure Julie is great, but is Julie the ancient of days? Can she discern the thoughts and intents of your heart? Does your husband put the planets, did your husband put the planets into orbit? No, he can't even fold towels right. <laughs> did your wife order the intricacies of the seasons? No, she puts the toilet paper on the holder upside down every single time. <laughs> Looking at you, Devin. Did Julie create the human body and form it from a mound of dust? No, obviously these things aren't. I'm just making a point. God did all of these things. People pay thousands of dollars to go sit with consultants who are experts in their field, or they get coaches, which, which I, I'm not down, I'm not dissing that, I think that's fine. People pay thousands of dollars to sit with these people who are experts just for a few minutes of their time to pick their brain. God wants to talk to you more than you want to talk to him, and he has got a vast wealth of knowledge. In fact, the Bible says that the wisdom of man is, is, is uh, less than God's foolishness. You've got an incredible, incredible savior. You've got, you've got the guy who created the human body, the guy who that designed the universe that you can sit down and talk to whenever you want to. So if you've got problems, he's probably got solutions. So he should be your first stop, your first call every single time. If anything's upsetting you, pray. If your world's spinning out of control, pray. Do you need some wisdom on a tough decision? Pray. The scripture, God is asking us to ask him. You know, the Romans were known for their great architecture, and one of the most innovative designs that they had was the arch, the Roman arch. So innovative that it didn't need concrete, it didn't need mortar. It was just held together by force, by, by, by uh, gravity, basically, in the design of the arch. And, and the most important part of this arch was what was called the capstone. It was a stone that sits in the middle, and it bears the entire load for the arch. But those arches are so amazing that a lot of them today, you can go over to Italy and you can still see them thousands of years after they were created because they're so strong. But that capstone is doing the heavy lifting. Make Jesus the capstone of your life. Let him be in the first place. Let him be the first call that you make when something happens or something's going on in your life. We put Jesus in the capstone of our life and make it in the priority, then we're gonna hold, no matter what the circumstances of life, throw our way. Number four. <clears throat> Practice thankfulness. Guys, remember, this is, this is getting your mind trained in the right direction. Getting your mind trained. Practice Thankfulness. The next part of the verse, uh, 4, 6c, I called it, says this. So it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, comma, this part of the verse, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Paul here seems to talk on the idea of thankfulness at the end of the verse. Like, with thanksgiving, you know, pray, pray and petition, let him know what you need, with thanksgiving. And it seems like he just tacks it on, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this secret. He didn't just tack on with thankfulness, with thanksgiving. That's a strategy. It's a strategy for training our minds. Praise, which is thanking God and rehearsing who God is. We talked about that. And thankfulness, thanking God for what he's done, are powerful weapons of the mind. And don't underestimate them, especially thankfulness. 
We've already talked about praise and we talked about remembering who God is, but what's so special about thankfulness? Well, let me throw this scenario at you. Imagine the enemy is throwing challenges of life in your face and you're starting to feel it coming down on you. You start thanking God for what he's done in your life. You start thanking him and you start remembering in your mind the different things that he's done for you at different points in your life and how he's came through for you every single time you've needed him to come through. Even when you didn't know you needed him to come through, he came through for you. Guess what it starts to do? It starts building your faith to a point of knowing that if he did it before, he can do it again. Thankfulness is powerful. It's a powerful mind weapon. Don't underestimate it. I make this a part of my regular prayer routine. When I'm in prayer, and I, I base this off of, of Psalms, where it talks about uh, coming into his courts with thanksgiving, or his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I, I base, base that off of, off of that when I pray, but I make this a, a, a part of my prayer routine. I start from the beginning of my life, and I start thanking God for the different things he's put, because how many of you know when you look back, sometimes in the middle of the circumstance, you can't see God working, but when you are when you're on the other side of it, hindsight's 2020, and you can see God's fingerprints in your life all the time. And so I start thanking God, and I get through the, you know, I start by thanking him for my parents and, and the people that, that, you know, were instrumental in my life and bringing me to him and the different times he's came through for me and different times he's provided for me financially or provided for my needs and for the different things and blessings he's given me. And you know what that does? It just builds my faith to where I get to a place where I'm like, yeah, by the time I'm ready to ask God for something, I, I have no doubt that he can do anything because it builds my faith. In the Old Testament, God would have his people set up memorials in places where miracles took place so that future generations would remember what he did. In fact, um, there was an evangelist who did this. I thought it was a great idea. I always kind of meant to do it, but have yet to do it, so I should. But he had this thing called a manna jar. So the idea behind it was back, in, back when God had the Israelites in the desert, he fed them with this miracle food called manna that would just appear on the ground every single day. And they, they would eat enough for the day, and they had it every single day for 40 years while they're in the wilderness. And so what God told them to do is take a jar. He told Moses, take a jar and put some manna in it and, and keep that jar. And he did so that, again, so that people, would, future generations would know. Well, what this evangelist did is he took that idea fairly literally, and he got a jar, a huge jar. And every time God came through for them, he would put something that represented how God came through into the jar. And then they would put it in a prominent place in their home where it would always be seen just so that everybody in that household would remember how big God was and, and, as they, and they could thank him and remember the things that he did and the miracles that he did for their family. I thought that was a pretty awesome idea. So thankfulness is an incredible weapon when it comes to training your mind. So as you're thinking about training your mind, first of all, rejoice. Rejoice. Don't be anxious. Make God your first stop. Practice thankfulness. This is a pattern. And then the awesome part of this pattern as I'm closing up this morning, is that there's an amazing promise attached to it. It's like, if you do A, B, and C, then D is gonna follow. And here's what D is. It's pretty awesome. It's found in verse seven. And we sang about it this morning. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds. Guard our what? Hearts and minds our hearts and minds. It'll guard our minds. So if we do A, B, and C, like we said, God set a pattern, didn't he? If we do these four things, then God says the promise is the peace of God is gonna come with you, the, the peace that transcends all understanding. Now here's a really cool part, because for the majority of the time today, I've been talking to Christians, and I'm gonna talk to Christians now, but Christians, 
Here's the cool thing about this. When it says transcends all understanding, I hope you catch what that means. It means it transcends all natural human understanding. In other words, it means that it is not transcend in the way that we can't understand it, but transcend in the way that nobody around us can understand it. It's a piece that doesn't make sense. Let me put it that way. When we're walking through something, when fear and anxiety is gripping everybody, and we're putting these things that we talked about into practice, rejoicing, not being anxious, thankfulness, making God our first stop, and we're walking around with confidence, and we're walking around with a smile on our face, and we're walking around cool as a cucumber because we got no worries in the world because we know who our God is. That's a piece that doesn't make sense to the world. And so once again, here we are. God is giving us something that's going to enhance our lives because how many of you like to live in worried, fear, and depression and anxiety? I don't. <laughs> Nobody does. People are, people are spending thousands of dollars to get rid of that in their lives. So not only is it a benefit to our life, but so many times in the gospel, it's not just about us. It's about the people that are around us. And so when we're walking with a peace that trends all natural understanding, you're not going to have to tell people what you think. You're not going to have to go share your opinion. You're not going to have to go on Facebook to tell them what your viewpoints are. And you're not going to have to have an opinion on every certain thing that comes down the pipe and not just need to get it out there and let people know. You know why? Because they're going to come to you. And how many know it's a lot better for them to come to you and ask you a question because that means they're open. And the questions that they're going to be asking is, how in the world can you be so calm and so at peace when this world is going crazy? They're going to ask you those questions. And that's your opportunity to talk to them in a way that's meaningful. Because how many of you know that um, there's not a lot of conversations that are won by throwing out Facebook opinions, okay? A lot of people get mad and ticked off, but you're not winning a lot of friends and you're not doing a lot of favors. And you're probably not advancing the kingdom of God by Facebook post. But when you have someone come to you and ask you the question, why in the world are you so composed? Why are you so put together? Why do you seem to not have a care in the world? That means their hearts are ready. And you can answer, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about what God did in my life. Let me tell you how the Holy Spirit is giving me this peace. And it's an opportunity for you to share the gospel this morning. Now there's another group of you in this room today who, um, you're, you may be listening to me and you may have heard what I said and you thought, man, I would, I've never said yes to Jesus, but I would love to have that opportunity to live in a place where I could have peace. And, and don't get me wrong, God doesn't always change our circumstances. God doesn't always deliver us out of the, the circumstance, but he does guarantee peace in the midst of it. So it's not a magic button today that you push. A relationship with Jesus sometimes actually makes you makes means making you do things that are actually harder because you know him but it does mean that you have someone who's going to be with you all the time someone who will give you peace and deliver you um, mentally in, in that time and will help you and give you the grace and the power to make it through so this morning that's you I'm going to give you an opportunity because the Bible tells us that we were separated from God early on in history human history but God, in his infinite, awesome grace, and because he loves us so much, he sent his son so that we could uh, have a relationship with him again. And all we have to do is receive that gift, repent of the things that we've done that have caused God pain, and accept Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And the Bible says 
we are saved. We're justified, like I talked about. Our, our souls are made right. Our, our spirit, rather, is made right with God. And so if that's you this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes in just a second. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to that and, and say yes to that if you want that to be you. If you want to be in that place where you say yes to Jesus this morning, I'm going to give you that opportunity. And then I'm going to have everybody pray a prayer after that. So let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. If you're in this place within the sound of my voice and that's you this morning, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus, or maybe you've been kind of on the outside looking in at this Christianity thing and you're ready to jump in with both feet, then I want to give you that opportunity. It's the best decision I've ever made in my life, ever made in my life, hands down. And I want to give you that same opportunity this morning. If that's you, when I count to three, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to know who you are so I can pray with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and raise your hand if that's you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's go ahead and pray that prayer together this morning. Repeat after me. Jesus, forgive me for the times that I've wronged you for my rebellion, for doing it my own way. I want to jump in with you all the way. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I accept your free gift. Forgive me. Thank you for new life. Help me to live for you the rest of the days of my life. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, God, for each and every individual in this place. Lord, we know that we're living in some really tough times. We know, Heavenly Father, that you've given us a strategy we know, God, that you have promised us peace. And so, Father, we claim that as children of God. Father, I pray that you'd help us never to forget how big you really are. Never to put you in a box, Lord. To dwindle you down to a place where you're powerless. Because that's not who you are. Lord, I pray, God, for each and every individual in this place. God, as they go down to this world that at times is, is freaky and it's scary. They're seeing things around them that are sometimes freaky and scary. And this time that we're living in, that's freaky and scary. Lord, I pray that you would walk with your children. And Lord, as they practice training their minds, God, that that peace that you have promised will walk with them every single place that they go, every single place they put their feet. God, I pray a supernatural peace would flood the place that they're in. So much so that people want them to be around so much so that people will ask them questions about why it is that they're so filled with peace when the world is so chaotic and crazy. Lord, you are the prince of peace. And so, Father God, I pray, especially for any individuals in this place this morning who just have been weighed down by those things that we talked about, by anxiety and, and depression and fear and worry and stress. Lord, release them in Jesus' name right now. God, let the supernatural peace of the Holy Spirit flood their hearts, even as we're talking. God, whether they're here in this building or sitting in their living room watching or wherever they're watching, God, let peace flood their hearts in a way that they've never experienced. Father, you are awesome, and we love you. We thank you, God, that you go with us everywhere that we go, that we have nothing to fear, and there's nothing this world can throw at us that you can't overcome. So we thank you for that. God, even death itself can't overcome you. So, Father, we love you and we thank you, God, for a great perspective today. And I pray that you'd help us to go out and walk with peace and walk with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys are amazing. I hope you have an awesome week. We'll see you. 
Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.